0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 160 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. My guest in today's episode is cultural change agent Gregory Sams. Gregory is a fractal artist, social thinker, author, publisher, inventor, and creator of the Veggie Burger. Gregory appeared on the podcast over two years ago in episode 65. And back then, we talked about his book, Son of God, regarding the notion that the sun is in fact conscious. But in this episode, we are going to focus on his book, The State Is Out of Date. So thanks for being on the podcast.
1: My pleasure, Alex.
0: And uh, this is your second appearance, but uh, for those who missed the first one, can you just explain a bit about who you are and what you do?
1: I'm uh, Gregory Sams, and I once described myself as a change agent when I wanted to join an exclusive (laughs) London club, and I didn't want to put down Natural Food Grocer. But uh, I've been through many different incarnations if you like in natural foods i opened a restaurant which led to a shop a couple of magazines and then wholesale distribution manufacturing import export all of that and then left all of that and um to launch the world's first ever veggie burger and gave it the name and it and it took off i mean they're all of They're not mine now, but you can. I added a word to the language. Let's put it that way. The company did well. Then I opened a shop. Well, I took a two-year uh, advance installment on my retirement with lots of party, lots of fun. And then I read a book by James Gleick called Chaos Theory, which blew my mind. And I opened a shop dedicated to Chaos Theory called Strange Attractions and produced all sorts of uh, fractal images on postcards, posters, T-shirts. Jigsaw puzzles, everything you can imagine, really. Um, but that was all because the, the what turned me on about chaos theory is what we're talking about later, to, you know, in a minute, um, which is it shows how natural systems, chaotic systems, all over the world and the universe, self-organize. Whether you're talking about, you know village ponds, rainforest, or weather systems. Um, And I saw how that needed to be applied to sociology, to humanity, to what we do. And I knew the scientists would never look at that because sociology is a dirty word to them, really. It's a non-science. So I thought, I've got to introduce people to chaos theory, how wonderful it is. And that led to my first book, um, which we'll be talking about shortly. and then, about uh, some years after that was published, I felt the urge to write another book, which was the subject of my last interview with you, entitled "Sun S U N of God," um, without a capital G on that. And that was reintroducing us to the the sun, bringing the sun, you know, uh, back in from the cold that it was cast into by the Abraham religions and reintroducing to the fact that it is a living sentient being as all are stars, all stars, they're the original life form of the universe. And uh, so that's what we talked about last time. So I won't go on about that. And um, over to you.
0: Yeah, so your book, The State is Out of Date, your first book. Uh, and by the title, you, I mean, in my opinion, it's it's even more out of date these days,
1: yeah. Well, in a sense, it's a misnomer because it never was in date. Um, and I had an argument with my publishers, and I lost because I wanted to call it the Power of Freedom. Um, but yeah, the state is certainly not in date. Let's put it that way. And uh, it's 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 a sort of it's a real newcomer on the scene. We all know it doesn't work, and we all you know not not we all but just about everybody thinks there's no alternative you know you've got to have you know a shepherd and sheepdogs to bark at you and tell you what the fuck to do and you know we're very good at self-organizing we don't need sheepdogs to do it for us and the evidence for that surrounds us
0: I don't know if you saw this article but Very recently there was this article about a few governments in the developed world, the Western world, have had a a kind of election where there was no result. So for months these countries have been living without a government and it's been going fine. And, And the article was discussing like, do we really need the government? I mean, society is so st- well structured now that uh, you don't need it whereas in like uh, Iraq for instance you know they maybe need a government to to get stable and then they might not need a government but people can confuse that you know one when you have one thing that's not the last step
1: yeah it, it's funny you mention Iraq because that's where for 4000 years civilization developed Cities, agriculture, uh, architecture, astronomy. I mean, people lived in cities of tens of thousands in Mesopotamia Um, for 4,000 years before there was any evidence, any state, any war, any kings and rulers. They self-organized really well. Um, And then, then they sort of... Guys with clubs and swords and armed men come into the picture. And uh, that slowly spread. It took a couple thousand years to reach Rome. And uh, another five or six hundred years to reach Britain. Um, Another thousand or more years to reach the Americas. But uh, it is a new invention in our culture. And we've tried kings and militant generals and emperors and princes and popes and presidents, uh, communism, socialism, capitalism, religion, and it doesn't fucking work. You know, it doesn't matter who you've got in control. That mechanism of the state um, is iniquitous because it's based on one one basic tool, which is. You do what we tell you, or we're going to damage you somehow. And we get to choose who tells us what to do between, it might be two people we don't want either of them, but you have the choice through the magic vote. Um, But it's the same thing, and uh, it's the point I am making in my book, is that it doesn't matter who's running it or whether they got to power through birth, through bullets, or through the ballot. It's the mechanism is is what is inevitably faulty, and uh, f- you know, forget about you know hoping we're going to get the right guy or the right party in control, and they're going to do everything right and sort it out because they're not. And uh, if if they do ever if they do collapse, which is an entirely possible uh, happening, then we have the opportunity to run ourselves and with the connectivity of the internet that will be no problem at all
0: i've always had a problem with the tax system and people always think that it's because i'm greedy or that i don't want to help other people but my actual problem with it is philosophical in the sense that i don't like that it's a, a, not a choice that is actually that that's my issue. And I was calling, actually got in contact with the, you know, the political minister of the tax office, the boss. And I was discussing with this person because I was planning on suing the government because I found out that in the Declaration of Human Rights, Article 4, it says that no human being should be forced to do anything. So I thought I was going to use that as my proof and and i was arguing with this person and then eventually actually the uh, you know the politician initially started well it pays for the roads they did you know that pays for the hospitals it's good for the society and i was, I was saying i'm not arguing that point i'm arguing that it's not a choice so and they said well you sign a social contract when you're born and i said that well, well how can i sign something when i'm born you know and then eventually actually and i wish I had recorded this conversation because the politician actually said, because I kept saying it was slavery, and eventually the politician said, uh, yeah, well, you're right, it is slavery. They, she, she could not argue it anymore. She agreed. And when she agreed, I was stunned, and I actually didn't have anything to say. Well, <laughs>
1: right, right, yeah, it's basically, you know, we've got the guns or the swords or whatever it is. And tax, it, it is, it's, it's taking money by force. You know, you're threatened with damage if you don't pay taxes. And if that's not theft or mugging or whatever you want to call it, nothing is. And, you know, taxes came into being. Let's go back to that sort of 4,000 years of peace and no taxes and no rulers. Taxes came in because that's the only way you can support a body of men who are doing nothing productive at all, i.e. an army. And... That army enfor- you know enforces the collection of those taxes, and it, it it was taxes were to support a nobility on the backs of the masses, if you like, um, or the you know on the wealth of the established cities in Mesopotamia at the time, and it's always been about transferring wealth from the many to the few. It still is. There, those few might vary instead of the nobility it might be the political ruling class um, but that's that's what happens when you have the right to take money by force the people who end up taking it are not nice people and they're just and, and they sanction themselves with legislation which they write saying we give ourselves the right to take your money or else it's, it's bonkers and Only about an eighth of it in the UK, maybe a little bit more in Scandinavia, gets sprinkled back. But the sprinkling, it's all stuff we do. I mean, we build the roads. We do the doctoring. You know, it's it's human beings who do all of that. And instead of us just doing it and self-organizing as we can and do whenever we need to, the state is taking our money, and they're not the best people at organizing. You know, they're, they're open to corruption. They don't lose their jobs when things screw up. Like in the common agriculture, agricultural policy has always had about, they estimate a 30% fraud rate of all the money they pay out. That's half the EC budget is agriculture. And a third of what they pay out is fraudulent. But they don't give a damn because it's they're not going to lose their jobs their job is to give away other people's money and if 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 gang fraud fraudulent people are taking it it's not going to hurt it's, they keep their jobs it's, it's there are no feedback loops in that system and when you haven't got the feedback loops and you know real real connections like you have the choice of whether you pay taxes for roads or for whatever they're doing um it's it's the system is not going to, to work well.
0: One big eye opener I had was like ten years ago. I was doing this job where I was in responsible for hiring people, and the national job agency refused because we could this company could hire thousands of people. So we, we wanted to put out adverts for this these jobs, you know, daily and they, they wouldn't allow it and they were blocking us. And I managed to gather up some competitors and together we tried to get a meeting with the job minister the guy in charge and we, we told him that look you need to change the rules because we can hire a lot of people and, and he was really like oh that sounds great and then he said something that really caught me by surprise he said I will take it up with the, with the board and I went the board and then I realized that all government departments are corporations and they all each have a board and basically the job agency department, every country has one, whatever it's called, you know, if they lower unemployment, you know, they're gonna get less funding. So when when he came back after his meeting with the board, he was very different person. He was very cold and he said no. He just said no. Because <laughs> basically the board said this is not good because we're not gonna get funded. It's the same with the police corporation, where if you don't uh, arrest ten thousand people doing this particular crime, you get less money. It's weird.
1: The, the the more crime, the better it is for the police, the prison service, and the judiciary. They thrive on crime. In England, you know the National Health Service, even where you know as much as people love it and praise it, and you know they, the National Ill Health Service, you know the the. the They never sort of project, National Health Service, right, they should be projecting for less hospital beds, less doctors, less nurses, less drugs, if they're successful, but they're not, they always, every year, we need more money to treat the sickness, Um, it's it's ass backwards, that's all.
0: What always fascinated me was when I've said the idea that well all these like hospitals and schools they could if there was no taxation they could survive on donations and people they you know nowadays people donate a lot of money to charities And I always get the argument that yeah, but there's going to be some assholes who don't never donate and just use those things. And I'm always surprised that we always make up systems to protect ourselves from the few assholes. I mean, let them be assholes. I mean, maybe in such a society, you know, when you ask somebody, "Have you ever donated?" No, I don't donate. You know, you would look down on that person, like who, you know, like that.
1: But but also, if if you had a free and open health system. There would be no restrictions on you know, all the other sort of alternative practices that, are, that we have. Um, at the moment, you know, the allopathic medicine, especially when it's state-supported, dominates. And it's, uh, it's, it's expensive. There was a time in the beginning of the 20th century when car mechanics or mechanics earned more than doctors. And doctors weren't these sort of gods who were paid fortunes. Um, and also, if you go back into early, you know, a couple centuries in Britain, they had friendly societies. I don't know about the rest of the world, but they had friendly societies where workers would put in a small percentage of their wages every, every week or every month. And this would be, this would cover them for health insurance. If they were sick, they'd be, they'd be, they'd get money paid. Their family would be looked after. Somebody would come by the house and visit them there. And it would be according to their trade or their location. And it began in the 18th, early 18th century. And by the end of the 19th century, 90, 95% of British workers were were part of one friendly society or another, Um, 95%. And because of the problems of the 5% who weren't covered, who got sick and there were tragic stories, the government stepped in and said, we must run this system. And they, they worked with the insurance companies and the doctors and... Dr. Pay doubled immediately that the system went into effect. It eventually then evolved into the National Health Service. But had those early friendly societies evolved and people said, well, fuck the 5%, you know? Maybe if people want to lend them the money, if they've got family or friends, they'll do it, fine. But 95% of the people are looking after themselves. Let's let this wonderful system grow and develop as the as medicine and surgery develops, you know, none of that would have been frozen in the nineteenth century had the friendly societies not been cut out by the government. And that's people say, what would we do without it? We'd set up things like that where we looked after ourselves. And and if a few people don't look after themselves, well that's that's their problem. Not all of our problem.
0: I've always had an interest in, in anarchy and the word anarchy. Anarchy or anarchist? Do you think it could ever be reclaimed, or or is it use, uh, pointless to use that word because it's been so destroyed by, you know, the way it's been used in publicly <laughs> as ca- as the word for chaos and disorder?
1: Yeah, well, when you when you have lively people with a good spirit, you don't call them gay anymore. Um, the word hasn't been ruined, but it's lost it's lost its original meaning and anarchy is associated in so many people's heads with disorder i mean it's used as a synonym for for disorder um, and and you know it's uh, so it is a difficult one to salvage and and in my book the state is out of date i wasn't writing it as an as an anarchist textbook and i never used the word anarchy in it or socialism or capitalism you know, it wasn't about isms, it was about fundamental principles. And if at the end of a chapter somebody says, okay, you know, a few chapters, somebody says, oh, we don't need the state, well, that's because they've come to that agreement, that understanding, not because they're a, an ism, one ism or the other. So I don't, I don't really like isms, but they, you know, pe- people like them, but they always change from their original meaning to something else. Even Darwin, Darwinism is, isn't what Darwin believed at, at his time.
0: Yeah, it's just so you can talk about something so you know what you're talking about. I guess that's what they're all good for.
1: <laughs> but, but then, you know, capitalism, I mean, to, to suggest that America is capitalist is ridiculous. You know, it's, it's a police state, um, you know, run by corporations. There's no freedom there in, not much in any of the Western countries, really. Freedom, the sort of freedom of enterprise you still might find in India in the far east where people are you know it's like one big farmers market but it's really well organized
0: now one thing i always thought was funny with with when i've talked to like the anarchist that also dresses and looks like an anarchist that type of anarchist is that they always object that you know cuz i've for many years been in a way self employed or uh, or they look down on on businesses or and I'm thinking, well, that's the th- that's true anarchy, you know. You you run your own life, and also like the, uh, like a family bakery or a business like that is not McDonald's or Google, you know. <laughs> you, you know they always think a corporation is corporation, doesn't matter what size it is, you know.
1: <laughs> well, the corporation is is a corporation. I mean, if 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 you're small, um, you know. If your small burger shop turns into a massive chain, and it's McDonald's, it's you know what? Are you, what are you going to do? I mean, my company was Harmony Foods, selling organic, natural foods, but as it got bigger and bigger, people wanted more and more product each each month. What am I going to do? Say, no, I don't want to become a corporation. <laughs> I'm not going to supply you with the goods with because you like my product. Um, it's but that that is that's a, that's a really sort of they give anarchists a bad name and in fact when i in, when i first um, sold the status, well, published the state as out of date in 1998 um, i sent a copy and had a phone call to ak distribution britain's major anarchist and uh, offbeat uh, book distributor and publisher and on the phone, they were really interested. They had a quick look at the book and said, yeah, bring some down to the anarchist book fair, which was only a couple of weeks later. And I thought, great, you know, I've got a distributor for my book. And I went in there and I went up to their, their counter where their main display was a, uh, a book on a, a guide to fist fucking. And, and I said this, hi, I'm Gregory Sam's. I sent you a copy of my book and, um, and I got these long faces and, and they said, oh, sorry, Greg, you know, we've had, we, we, we read the book, and I've got a chapter in there um, on the sort of fluffy or nonviolent protest, which had just begun in the early 90s, that sort of really inspired British nonviolent protest, um... And I had a whole chapter dedicated to it. And they said, we might, there's like half a dozen of them or so, that we might be, we might, we're all anarchists. We, there's only one thing we agree on, and that's the violent overthrow of the state. And my chapter on nonviolent uh, protest excluded me from consideration to distribution by this anarchist publishers. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs>
0: Well, if you look at the history and development of anarchy, it was always non-violence in a sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Kropotkin, various you know anarchists, you know, really w- w- went back to medieval some of the medieval cities that were run through communes, organized on a block-by-block block level, and you had whole cities that were that were free. And they put the walls up to keep the knights and the you know the people out on horseback with armor who wanted to come in and take money. Um, it was quite a mist. You know we don't learn much about that in the history books. Yeah, and Kropotkin, um, I'd never heard of him until after I wrote my book, and then a um, a, a chap Mike Jay who's a Puts shows on and things in this country. um, He wrote me a sort of fan letter and and said this is, you know, you're you're very much like Kropotkin. What what you're saying is the same message he had. I looked up the guy and I had no idea that the origins of anarchy, not all of them, but but some of the prime ones were absolutely not about violent overthrow of anything. They're just about we can do it better, which is the subtitle of my book. (laughs) We can do it better. We certainly can.
0: So what do you think can be done is it from person to person because I I don't see a way to change the system by uh, you know uh, getting lots of big groups together and marching and demonstrating I never seen that as a solution
1: No, you can't vote them out of power either that's for sure Um, the only solution is really to be ready to take grab the opportunity to run ourselves when it comes. Um, And that is when the uh, financial crises, the last one was in 2008 when they aren't, are not able to kick them downstream one time, I mean, 2008, it nearly happened. The global financial banking system nearly collapsed. They kicked it downstream and And we all know how tenuous and on the wire that was. It was by no means certain that they could do it. And, of course, they they sold our grandchildren into slavery as part of the way of doing it. But if if it collapses next time round, all the global financial system goes down. Your money in the bank, it's not there anymore. Nobody's going to be printing money to pay the politicians. And nobody's going to be bartering massage or fish or car repair or whatever, you know, with them for their services. And we've got a complete cryptocurrency system in place at the moment, a nascent cryptocurrency, which could, you know, because deciding whether an Apple is worth, you know, a fish or, you know, how many how many iPhones are worth a, a car you know all those relative value things you don't need a global financial system to determine them you just need a medium of exchange and that's i think not a hard thing to replace and we have to remember that the banks and governments they don't they don't dig, they don't mine coal they don't create laptops they don't make bicycles they don't grow food they don't do any of that stuff. You know, they don't do any of that stuff. And I think the, the whether it's the small businessmen and the farmers markets or the giant corporations and the people who build uh, container ships and the people who make the iPhones, I think they are capable of staying alive, figuring out how to keep doing business without the state or the banks. I mean, it's 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 a miracle of the, not a miracle. It's just a huge amount of cooperation is already required. So I think if there was a global financial collapse, I think we could we could manage quite well without them because the main thing states do is is protect us from each other. That's their one essential service. And if they haven't got any money to pay their armies, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a it would be a smooth transition but i'm saying we we would come out of it much better than we were when when it when beforehand at the moment.
0: Yeah because there's been like tons of statistics showing that it's more peaceful now than it's ever been before but you don't see that in the news or in, in in the media it's looks like it gets more and more violent by each day that goes by in 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 i mean now i'm talking about the the western societies.
1: Well we are fed fear right, left, and center. We're told to be afraid, so we then give up our freedoms, we give up our money to keep ourselves safe, even though more people are killed by lightning than terrorists. And it's, uh, there's massive armaments. I mean, whatever the figures are on actual people killed per, year, and I'm not sure I trust some of the figures, but I know the ones you're talking about. We've never been in a situation where we're armed enough to wipe ourselves out, or to, you know, with the, the nuclear proliferation. It's it's a horrific thing, and that's like hanging over our heads. Um, there's this massive destructive capability, and that is... um that kind of scotches all arguments on how peaceful we are. You know, you, you know to have, to require a nuclear umbra- or umbrella of nuclear weapons to be peaceful is, is bonkers, and it's not, it's not peace in my books. Uh,
0: the thing that makes me a bit uh, relaxed about that whole thing is that I imagine that, uh, you know. Uh, Putin and Trump and all those major leaders you know they are in some sort of business together and they know that that's bad for business
1: well possibly but we did have the Second World War and the First World War and for some people they were good for business and the military-industrial complex certainly sees war as good for business and you have situations where, as, you know, just a few days ago, Hawaii, you know, had an mis- incoming missile. They don't have uh, silos of nuclear weapons located in Hawaii, but, you know, that sort of a mistake could easily launch a counterattack, you know, and you could have missiles flying off somewhere else, and it's... Uh, it's just, aside from all the, the negative side effects of having nuclear weapons, because they spawn the nuclear power industry, which is more of a threat than nuclear war. Nuclear war could uh, kill off an awful lot of people, but it doesn't poison the land as with the same sort of radioactive poisoning as Chernobyls and Fukushimas do.
0: Wouldn't it be funny and ironic that if there was a nuclear war and that most likely the people who survive are maybe the indigenous in the Amazon and deep in the rainforest and they just continue as business as usual? (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and, I I just saw a video of uh, Orange County of just a few miles of homeless people living in tents and shacks on the side of the road. They would probably survive too. people who are used to living on the on the edge or without any skills required yeah no, that would be uh when there was the idea of the whole y2k crash in, in the year 2000 i went to goa for the for over the whole christmas season then because i thought in Goa at that point in time, they wouldn't notice if all the computers in the world went down. It was completely irrelevant, you know, still pulling water up from wells and no shops, no telephones, hardly any electricity so yeah that would be that would be ironic and uh, and there's some justice there too, I guess
0: I sometimes miss uh, my younger days because I used to uh, backpack and I used to be voluntarily homeless and just live on the edge and roam about. And there was a sort of like, always walking close to the abyss but for some reason i always managed to scrape enough money together to survive another week and it, i mean it, i used i mean i sometimes miss that cuz now i'm very stabilized i have a home you know it's you know it's all very safe and nice and dandy but sometimes i miss miss that edge cuz you don't feel as alive
1: oh yeah i know that was i i got that and it was a bit I don't know how I, how I feel about my emotions on it, but I was. It's a brilliant little video of a, of a guy with a GoPro camera on a bicycle cycling through this miles of people living on the side of the road in Orange County, California. That's where Disneyland is, and it's a very high high you know profile area, and thousands of people living on the side of the road, and I really wanted to sort of get out there and and mix with them and and i expect they some of them have got more of a community than they ever experienced living in their apartment blocks or suburbs or wherever um there was kind of a vitality there and i've spent a lot of time with uh squatters in the uk different protest camps people living out in the woods and uh protecting ancient woodlands when they're putting, uh, trying to put motorways through them. And and there's a real kind of atmosphere. And I mean, even in England, a lot of people, not prior generation to me, look back on the war, wartime in London as one of the most exciting parts of their lives. Because, you know, you knew other people and you'd all sleep together in the underground during the bombing raids and look after each other. And there was this sort of humans coming together, looking after themselves, having to, because the state was too busy fighting a war to look after you, I guess. Um
0: Maybe that's our natural state to to find peace because, I mean, if you're living like an indigenous person, I mean, 100%, like, cut off from society, you know, every day you wake up, you have to find food or you die from hunger. But, you know, if you have the skills, you'll always find food every day. But you still have that thing above your head, like you have to do something. You can't just sit and watch TV because eventually, you know... Your family is going to starve to death. You know that kind of like having to survive has kind of vanished with modern society.
1: Well, it's with 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 the modern state which is providing a safety net um, to everybody. So, you know, they take as, as I say they take eight times as much money as comes out to provide that safety net, and then they say, well, we need more taxes because. You know, corporations aren't paying their fair taxes and that's why we're not able to feed enough people and look after all the all the damage that is done by the fact that we're that the state is taking half or more of our wealth out of the system. And that's why there is hardship and poverty and homelessness and hunger. And and this idea that well we have to give them more money so that they can do more to look after the homeless is again it's, it's asked backwards it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter how much money they take you know ultimately they could take everything and it's we're so good at taking care of ourselves and it doesn't have to be primitive we don't have to be all living off the land we can still be tailoring clothes and having restaurants and building hotels and traveling in airlines you know none of that has to stop that's civilization and That's all stuff that we created. You know, when I say we, I'm talking about companies, people, you know, not the government. The government didn't build the canals in England. They didn't build the railways. They didn't build the underground train system. The first bus systems were all private. All that stuff was done by us. And we're really good at evolving at it. You know, when we've, we, with communications, you see where we've gone from laying telegraph tables across the ocean to smartphones and, and Skype, you know, free conversations across the world on Skype. Um, it's extraordinary progress and evolution. You look at w- what the state has done, evolving their systems, and it's still uh, police, judges, jails, it's still. Bunches of, you know, guys, sometimes women now arguing against each other and, you know, running the country in a combative stance, nothing cooperative about it. It's all about conflict between two or more different parties. It's in conflict between nations. It's it's not a natural. The natural state of affairs is for us to live in cooperation and peace with each other, which we did for 4000 years before governments began and in those days there was international trade there was civilization and culture as we would be comfortable with it today
0: it's very similar to like uh, organized religion in the sense that it's just illusionary it doesn't really exist It's, it's a bodiless entity the government i mean many people work in the government and there's buildings and that but the actual government where is it you know it's is is, is uh, like uh, just uh, something that you you like religion you, you know you just have to believe in it because if everybody didn't believe it, it wouldn't have any thing to say.
1: <laughs> I mean what would happen if 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 nobody voted well, they, well we see we see what they did in Australia, they made it the law you have to vote so um, yeah you can't even stop voting and, and you can't even stop paying your taxes because they take them out. Most people pay their taxes. It's taken out before they get their pay package from their employer. If you're an employee, which is one of the reasons governments love large corporations because they can, you know, take money from twenty thousand people at once. Uh, it's much easier for them than having to deal with twenty thousand tax returns. And uh, yeah, I mean, some people still pay their their home help. I mean, there's some some cash transactions still go on for work. But as the governments move towards a uh, steer us towards a cashless society, they'll have a situation where nothing can be done. they will be tax deducted from every bloody transaction going on. Again, this is what possibly some of the attraction of cryptocurrencies is, you know, it's, it's, it is real cash. Um, in in the you know it's, it's as much cash as the pound notes or the the, the euros in your pocket, and uh, hopefully the states got, can't sort of suppress that. We, we'll see.
0: <laughs> I've always been fascinated with the idea of democracy because it always seems to people because it's the mainstream mainstream idea is that democracy is great, but it always seems that people think it's that it's well we have democracy so now we don't have to come up with anything else it's the final step in the structure of society i mean it's like for me i always see democracy as a important step in order to go to the next thing you know like you needed it to stabilize what was before that which which was like feudalism or whatever but now we have democracy and now we can use that and just move move forward
1: <laughs> well that was winston churchill's famous quote he says democracy is the worst form of government ever, except all the ones that came before it. <laughs> so he um, recognize it as, as crap. And, you know, I suppose I should be grateful. Or I've always lived in a democratic society, and I don't really see that it's that much superior. And when you have place you know, nations like America, the epitome of so-called democracy, that is run by a military-industrial complex, waging wars all over the all over the world, for no reason other than to expend armaments and possibly implement Israeli foreign policy. Um, I mean, that's that's horrendous. And and what will people a century from now look? look back on that like and say that was ideal democracy or will they look back on it like we look back on the Roman Empire. It's uh, it's again, it's a word, democracy means self-rule. And the only real self-rule is, is freedom. Um, doesn't need a word, anarchy. It's actually people being free. Uh, it doesn't need an ism to it. It's a natural state. It's not a... A strategy or a policy or uh, something that you have to do
0: but for most people, the word democracy is synonymous with the word freedom that they that's how they've been marketing it
1: yeah um well, I think you know Roman citizens did really well, actually they did better than American citizens they got they got you know benefits from all the Roman plunder, but it's. In America it is freer than some countries, in some ways, it's got that history of being free anyway. Um, it was a beacon of freedom at one point. But that was, for a long period, there was the government was really small in America, really small in numbers. And just uh, sort of it started growing after the Civil War in the mid19th century. But uh, but there's a legendary, you know, not legendary, it was a, was, George Washington was looking over the military budget and it was a new anchor for a, a ship. And he said, why do they new, need a new anchor? What's wrong with the old anchor? Um, you know, it's gone a long way from there downhill. And you know, if people, you know, see democracy as synonymous with freedom. Good for them. But, but where is democracy in existence? I don't really know um, any more than you could say Justice Stalin was a communist.
0: And also this idea that, you know, because I'm very happy to live in a, uh, compared to most of the world, a, a free society or freer than other societies or safe or, you know, wealthy in a way, you know, I don't have to worry about a lot of things but so they say well you should be happy that you're not living in nigeria or some other place but i think it would be a uh, an insult to people who live in a fascist society like a worse society not to uh, improve the one you live in because when you have cuz if there's any society that you can improve it's the one that's already fairly free you know mm-hmm. like So it would be an insult not to try and make it even better.
1: Yeah. Always, always. If we don't try to make it better, it will tend to go downhill. Because it's it's human beings who make things better. But I have been to, uh, depends, you know, where where you're looking for freedom. But I've been to places, to to third world countries, where on a day-to-day living level, things were much freer than they are in the West. In terms of you know building your what you're building and doing it on your house and uh, whether you're paying taxes and what sort of trade you're doing, and people just set up all sorts of innovative small businesses selling anything they like, and nobody's busting them or stopping them from doing it. I've seen kids selling cigarettes singly on the street in Morocco and you know, that's for the price of a pack of of cigarettes. Some 16-year-old kid starts his first business. Who knows where that will lead? In anywhere in Europe or America, that kid would be arrested. You're not allowed to sell cigarettes. Even a shop can't sell. In England now, you can't sell less than 20 cigarettes in a packet. Um, but it's just there there there's a sort of day-to-day freedom that we've lost a lot of, and I've seen the freedoms shut down over the last forty or fifty years from when I first went into business, opening a restaurant and a shop and you know, manufacturing, and just it was not that difficult to do. I could never do it today because there's so much more regulation control involved, and people you know, The sort of people who can deal with that control are large corporations because they can hire somebody to make sure all their burger joints and fast food joints comply with the regulations. And the regulations which are designed to keep our food safe end up with us living on diets of really crap junk food um, that fits all the regulations. Um, There's no accident really. A lot of the uh, regulation is geared towards stopping small entrepreneurs from competing with the big boys.
0: So what was your, you know, in your book, the state is out of date? What what conclusions did you come to in terms of like the future?
1: Well, I give some examples of things we do that really demonstrate the superior power of of our self-organization. Um, doing something that you would see as government function, but that, that we have done. And I give some examples, which I'll come back to, but, um, but the point is that when we're faced with a need, we do rise to the challenge. We're really good at it, and we don't necessarily know before we have the need exactly how we're going to rise to the challenge. Um, but an example of something we already do, which is really unusual when you think about it, is the insurance industry, which began in a, in a, the Lloyd's coffee house in London, and I think it was the 17th century, um, just a bunch of ship owners got together and decided to set this thing up so that if one of them lost their ships, they wouldn't be, be, be down and out. And it grew into this worldwide industry that you sell your risks to, you know, your fear that your house is going to burn down or that you're going to die from a heart attack or a car crash. You sell that risk and you pay them a little bit of money. And even if you've only had one installment on your insurance policy and you die, your, your family is going to get paid for to, you know, they're not going to be thrown out of their house. Kids are going to go to college. Um, that's a remarkable structure that we've built all on our own. And it really, uh, it thrives. You know, the safer we are, the healthier we are, the better it does. Um, and in a sense they have, and they exercise a certain amount of it already. Um, they have the ability to, protect us and maintain quality and if if for instance heroin and cocaine were legal the people selling it you know nobody goes into business on any scale without insurance if you're if you're doing proper business you 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 get insurance um public liability it's just common sense and if you're selling stuff like that the insurers are going to make damn sure you give proper warnings, you've got purity, you're not, you know, going to charge you a lot as well, I expect. But it's uh, it's more effective than a lot of the law and regulation we have, which which leaves people free to do something. If they're complying to the law and their product kills you, you're up a gum tree because they... Um, they had they had the legal right to sell asbestos or whatever it was all those years so that's a that's a very powerful tool in our hands the other thing we have is the structure within the internet to actually to a large possibly a complete extent replace or provide a better alternative to the um, current justice system we have. Because that's one of our concerns Is well, what about security, what about burglars, what about criminals, all of that. And at the moment we have a system where somebody is a thief and they steal stuff out of a shop uh, maybe a few times. They then take it into the police, process, they go to court, they go through the judicial system and then they go to prison and we're paying for all of that you know we've been robbed you know collectively and collectively we're paying to to deal with it whereas if you go back in time they had exile you know they didn't have prisons and things in germany and the when it was all sort of tribes but you you but they had scales of compensation for different crimes that people committed, and the ultimate punishment was exile. Now today, when people are, just about everybody is attached to this digital world, and if your punishment is exile from aspects of the digital world, on a very level, very low level, you might be exiled from Facebook and Instagram. On a more more severe level, your credit card or your phone might not work, um and these are you know serious deterrence for people to commit crime and you know the algorithms are probably able to better able to track somebody who's changing their identity than the police force i'm just i'm just sort of throwing that out there as the sort of um tools i think we've got all the tools and the all, all the capabilities to do everything the state is doing aside from waging wars um, are in our possession, and if we need to deal with these functions and you know make up for the state's failing, expensive, sometimes downright damaging services, I think we're able to do it ourselves. On the judicial thing for a start, half of the crime, half of the people in crime, in jail in America are there for victimless crimes, whether that's taking drugs or selling sex or not paying their taxes or not following other state regulations that don't harm anybody. So, yeah, that's, I just, we we can do it. And every, we've shown that capability so many times throughout history, but I think the opportunity will come if the state collapses and we have to really grab that and run with it rather than try and replace them and turn the wheel a little bit and put a different state in. Let's put a new hub in instead.
0: Because I always saw it that they always say that the uh, state and government is there to have order and protect us from things. But I always say that uh, in an anarchistic society or whatever you want to call it, uh, it's in that society that i would not want to be a criminal you know i rather much more be a criminal in in the current way of things because here i can you know i get a room and board and i can always you know uh, have a, a a chance to you know be become liberated but in a, in a society without a government you know you don't want to go around robbing people if they catch you you don't you don't know what they would do you know yeah
1: yeah <laughs> Plus, you know, in the current situation, if you really want to get down to basics, we are being run by criminals. I mean, it started off the people with the with the, the guns or the swords or the clubs forced other people to pay them to, you know, as, as a nobility. And we still have a nobility running the world. And they're taking money by force. And... And that sets an example, and it enables a lot of people to justify that doing in themselves because they see the corruption in government. They read about it. They find out wars were fought for no reason at all, and it's all hey man, that's that's what's going on. It sets it sets a standard for other people to follow, who are not as well programmed as much of us. Who you know most of us don't really want to steal, rob, kill, and abuse our fellow man. Um, As you say, the 95, 97% of people who aren't like that are the standard we should be looking for rather than having a system where at the moment we've got a system where scum rises to the top, not the cream. And as long as we have that system, we're never going to have peace and harmony in the world because we've got People who don't believe in peace and harmony. People who believe in conflict. I mean, government, whether it's Democrats and Republicans, or Tories and Labour, or Fascists and Communists, it's all, it's all conflict-based, and uh, that is not conducive to peace. It's pretty obvious.
0: Yeah, I think most people do not commit murder and rape. I don't think they avoid doing those things because it's illegal. <laughs>
1: yeah, know, we're not we're not programmed to do that, to you, there's a hell of a lot of military training involved to get a soldier to actually overcome that natural resistance, to pointing his gun at somebody and killing them. And in the first and second world wars, the the the, uh, the statistic they had, this was questioning soldiers afterwards, is eighty percent or more, of soldiers said they were fired into the air. They, they never shot at another human being. Um, so, Cause they weren't maybe in a situation where the guy was charging out and putting a gun at them. But you know, when it's just some guy over there, they would, they would aim high to miss because it's, it's even with the training, it's, it's a, we're not, our instinct is not to kill each other. And we should, we should believe that. And that's, that's how the world is.
0: When you were talking before, it reminded me of the third Godfather movie where he's trying to make his mafia family become legit, and he says something along the lines of, like, the the more, the bigger my company becomes and the more I'm trying to be legal, the more corrupt and criminal everything is, you know, when he's making deals with governments and that. He just notices it's just getting more and more criminal, you know.
1: Well, people who fight wars on false pretenses that destroy whole countries it's that there's just nothing, well, there's, not, there's virtually nothing worse than that, to actually destroy a country, hundreds of thousands of people die, and, and you've made up the reasons for going to war. That's okay, but having sex with somebody in the White House could lose you your job. Um, that's crazy situation, crazy sets of standards, and, you know, um trump for you know all the the horrific character he is um you know they they're making him out to be worse than than his predecessors who went on this sort of warmongering rampage he might turn out to be worse for sure but uh that was all okay for the clintons and the bushes to go out and bomb and destroy other nations and uh, and it's and it's not all right to to be a kind of stupid oaf who's uh you know, full of himself
0: i think it was the, the i think it was the comedian dave Chappelle who called trump the first ever president who is an internet troll
1: <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that's a good one but it's uh, it's that's what you get. That's that, you know, democracy can bring you that. And I don't know why everybody's so upset. He was voted in. That's what it's all about. Um, and he's, he's as bad as anybody who came before him. What were they expecting? And if, uh, Hillary Clinton was in now, she would be an awful mess, but at least she pretends like she's a normal human being and, and lies and, uh, deceives in a clever way. So, That's all right, because they're used to that with politicians. Politicians, every poll that has ever been taken, politicians have been rated as the least trustworthy people. Below real estate agents, lawyers, and of course, priests and doctors are near the top. Um, So they're the least trusted profession, and yet they're entrusted with the most important things that we treasure In our society, like health and education and security, and we give all these jobs to the people we trust least. Uh, We don't give those those jobs, of course. They take them by force, and we, we comply with it. But after a while, we think that's the natural way, and that it couldn't happen without them. And when we have to make them happen without them, we will make them happen, and we'll be surprised and delighted by it.
0: They should just do the next election like they do Bachelor or Big Brother or those kind of TV shows and where people vote, they vote each other out. And then towards the end, you know, the public can call in and vote <laughs> when they. F-
1: it's sure, but as I said earlier, it doesn't really matter how you choose them, whether it's bullets, ballots, or reality TV shows. Um, the structure doesn't work, it's when it, which is because those feedback loops. You know, if you go to a to a restaurant and you get sick, or you get bad service or bad food, you don't go back. If you get really good service and good food, you go back again and again. And especially if the prices are good, that's feedback loops. In the government, you haven't got those feedback loops. If they're really crappy, bad service, you can't stop paying for, you know, whatever you don't want to pay for, um, because you think they're doing a rotten job of it. You have to keep paying for it. You have to keep buying the product and. All you get is the opportunity to change the color of the packaging every four years. And that's. Uh,
0: but, but for somebody listening to all this and they agree, you know, like you, because I'm always trying to be practical, what can you do as a single person, you know?
1: Well, start taking responsibility for ourselves and not expecting the state to be your. Um, to clean up the environment, to deal with carbon pollution or with, you know, to actually do it ourselves. If you're the, I mean, the gay lobby and the black lobby and now the women's lobby can ruin the jobs of top executives, politicians, actors, executives, people, also the Israeli lobby is really strong. Um, And you really can't cross them. Now, if the Save the World lobby got a bit stronger and um, started really saying no, you know, or giving hell to the the munitions makers and the, the the evil corporations, if you like, and the government, yeah, that might have some impact because lobbies, people power, does have an impact when it's properly organized, but. It's always going to be an uphill struggle when you've got people who say, you know, we're ruling because we've got the guns and we'll take your money from you, whether you like it or not. And a lot of people are duped by their propaganda, but maybe, you know, if stop, people stop being duped by it. But they do, you know, whether it's the, the Roman Empire or the Third Reich or Napoleon or just civilizations come and go. None of them are permanent, and the arrogance of our, our culture and, and rulers is to think that they're gonna be here for the next 20,000 years. Hitler only thought 1,000 years, and our people are you know, building nuclear power plants and you know just things that are gonna need managing for 20,000 years or more with this ridiculous, that's 10 times as long as it was since uh, Julius Caesar. And they think they're still going to have a handle on things. Um, And people go along and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. It's it's a tough one. It it really is a tough one. As I said earlier, I think the most important thing we can do is to gear ourselves up psychologically and mechanically and physically, for when they do collapse, when there's the whole financial system disappears up its own asshole because it is all smoke and mirrors and it's all based on lending and there's no re- nothing real backing any of the currencies in, in play. And they're all, you know, easily manipulated by governments and bankers, but the structure is not stable. And it will collapse at some point, uh, hopefully in our lifetimes and it will be difficult, but we've been through lots of difficulties. People are incredibly good at coming out of hurricanes, earthquakes, financial collapses and struggling back. You know, after the great depression, you know, we struggled back and we find, you know, we got back and then we get hit again and they, they, they wage a war and, um, but we are strong and we are resilient and if we're if we're doing it you know in, without the state we're even stronger and more resilient and let's build a society that stops any more states from coming into being where you know we have benevolent corporations who are not financing warmongers and munitions manufacturers you know the the amount of money we spend and we're taking taxes building weapons that are designed to destroy us is we look back on that that's crazy
0: maybe if you like dissect everything to the core issue maybe it's just a, a fear of change because i mean everybody has a fear of changing something that they've used to usually after the change you get used to that new thing but just that thing right before the change is scary. And um, is that, do you think something that's just part of our DNA or is, does that come from something?
1: Well, I like change myself. So it's hard for me to empathize with because we always change. Um, people weren't frightened of the telephone or the television or the car unless they were, you know, in the horse breeding business or you know something that was being replaced by that. Um,
0: but I mean like uh, many people have had the situation where they have a really they have an okay job they earn okay money but they really want to quit but they are too scared to do it or they're married to somebody and they know they should make it have a divorce but they just
1: well that's fear of the unknown which I guess is an instinctive thing whether you know, if you're going into a dark you know 5,000 years ago you're going into a dark forest you've never been in before you're going to be a bit scared um and but that's I think that's okay. That motivates us. and and if if the system collapses, that's the system collapses. and then we have to make do with it. Like you can always be frightened of a um of a hurricane. But once the hurricane happens, then you then you rebuild afterwards. and if this if this hurricane happens, we have the opportunity to rebuild something much more sustainable, harmonious, and peaceful than that which the hurricane took down. So that's that's what I'm saying. I'm mean, certainly be frightened of it happening, but it will happen at some point, and uh, and that will give us the opportunity to replace it with something much better. And I, I really hope that we grasp that that opportunity and don't fall into the hands of. Uh, some you know, fascist strongman but hopefully you know if there are no banks around who's going to pay for the bullets
0: I'm not sure how accurate the quote is but I some someone told me today online that they think Terence McKenna said that when when you jump into the abyss you will discover at the bottom is a bed of feathers
1: <laughs> There you go there you go <laughs> that's what I was trying to say
0: Okay so if people want to find out more about you or Read your books. Uh, where can they do that?
1: Um, my website is gregorysams.com, and or you can just Google Gregory Sams. Both books will come up. Uh, they're both on sale through Amazon or any online retailers, um, digital or hard copies. Yeah, that's it. That's that's my website, gregorysams.com. That's S-A-M-S.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me again.
1: Okay, it's been a pleasure. All right.
0: Go to GregorySams.com if you want to find out more about his work. Now, let's listen to Emily Cooper and the track Trick of the Night from the album We Are the Lucky Ones. And if you like what you hear, go to EmilyCooper.Bandcamp.com. And as always all the links can be found in the program notes on naturalalchemy.com. Next Sunday my guest is an author that has written a very interesting book that looks at the similarities between the constellation Orion and the molecular structure of DMT. Freedom is in the mind.
2: See, we have a night left to fight for what's right